thank you for joining Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. <clears throat> Wednesday Bible study, 7 p.m. We believe the Bible is the word of God. No doubt in my mind. Therefore, we are faithful. We're bold. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Again, I want to thank you for joining the online service of the Cornerstone of Grace. If you're looking for a church home, growth and ministry, I want to invite you to join us, grow with us and be blessed with us. One thing for sure is that the word of God is going forth. It's unadulterated. It's not sugarcoated. It's not being watered down. It is the word of God. It's enough to save your soul and keep you from a burning hell. Yeah, hell is real. Many don't want to face that. I heard one minister on the radio saying that that hell uh, is not full of fire and no one that goes there is going to burn. Uh, he had some insight that Jesus didn't have and that the word of God didn't give. But the Bible tells us that it's a place that burns with fire and brimstone. The fire is not quenched and the worm never dies. Listen, we're going to go into the word of God tonight. I'm excited about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I'm share this testimony with you because somebody else might be dealing with a similar issue. <clears throat> I had a, I was just talking with my daughter and just was sharing with her that uh, had a light scare. You know, um, gentlemen, you need to go to the doctor and have yourself checked out when you think something is wrong you, you can't be afraid to uh, to pay attention to your bodies and so i noticed that there was something not normal and i after a few episodes uh, that occurred uh, previously where things were not normal you know I, I went to the doctor to find out why i'm seeing what i'm seeing why i'm experiencing what i'm experiencing and, um, you know, and it's good because you have to know what's happening with you. Well, the doctors came back with a three different doctors, uh, came back with a good report that everything was well, uh, that there were no issues. If I should see certain issues in, in the future to come back. But other than that, um, it was a good move to go to the doctor because you don't know what to pray about. You don't know what to pray for. And we, we like to throw up generic prayers, you know, and when we should be more direct in what we're talking about. Abraham was direct with the Lord. And as we get into the our, our Bible class lesson, he was direct. And so we need to be direct in our prayers. Know what we're praying about. Some prayers are not answered because we're praying the wrong thing. When Jesus um spoke with uh, the gentleman whose son was uh, being tortured tormented um he asked why couldn't your disciples do this and he let them know that some things come with prayer and fasting and there was some other insight that was given there we won't go into that tonight however 
you need to know. And Jesus dealt with it, a deaf and dumb spirit. He didn't say it was a mental health issue or chemically imbalanced or anything like that. He said it was a deaf and dumb spirit. And so he properly diagnosed what the issue was and it was resolved. Let's find out what the issues are so that they can be resolved. They can be dealt with properly. We're in the book of Genesis. We're touching what is referred to as the law, particularization, moving from the general to the particular, the universe, earth, man, and spirit. We are uh, touching the creation of the principal person who is the cosmological, the cause of all things, as well as the teleological, the designing mind behind everything. I wanna remind you again this evening and those that are listening now and those that will be listening later, that God is our shield, our protector, and he is our exceeding great reward. He is our greatest asset. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. I don't care what comes up, how you feel, what tears come to your eyes, how it trouble you. You hold on to God. I, I like what Elder Elaine uh, Jenkins said, you know, she preached a message and she she said she stands by this and I I, I grabbed hold to it too because it was, it was a good word. And that's, I'm sticking with the God that I know. I'm sticking with the God that I know. He's sovereign. It is not three gods. It's not two gods. One God, our Lord and Savior, uh, who was the incarnation, God manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. He is our shield and greatest reward. And when you go into the uh, the genealogy and you go into Hebrew and, you know, I, I really don't like using the term uh, Jews because Jew or uh, Judaism is a practice, it's a religion. When we talk about the nation of Israel, they served one God, a sovereign God. Uh, they didn't believe in polytheism, they believe in monotheism. And, and that is so. A hero Israel, the Lord thy God is one. It didn't say he was one with two others. And, you know, listen, and we're going to go on into Genesis. We're going to have a word of prayer here. But um, when we talk about Jesus' father, um, matter of fact, um, let me just put that out there right now. And, and I'll come back and ask it again later. Who was Jesus' father? Who was his father? Deacon? Uh, Deacon, don't answer that. But those that are listening, who was Jesus' father? And give me a scripture to who his father was. If you could do that in, in, in about 20 minutes, uh, that gives you time, you know, because I'm going to come back and ask that again. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Thank you, Lord God, for what you have done and what you're going to do. Lord, watch over and keep us. Help us to minister your word. Help us to live your word so that we hear your voice say, well done, good and faithful servant. Help us to be faithful and an example to others, Lord God, that they might be saved. Lord, that we have a voice, Lord Jesus, to speak your word, that we have a voice to be a witness for you. Give the people ears to hear, hearts to receive. Lord, that you be glorified in Jesus' name, amen.
We're in the 17th chapter of Genesis, the 17th chapter, beginning at verse 1. And we're talking about being humble. You know, the presence of the Lord will humble you. And I, I pray and hope that is your response. It certainly is mine. I find God to be humbling. He's, <laughs> the presence of the Lord, you know, there was a, 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 there's a song that said, the presence of the Lord is here. It's very humbling. You can rejoice it. And yes, I rejoice. It's humbling. And so the Bible tells us in the 17th chapter of uh, Genesis, it says, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so he's 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. I'm sovereign. I'm almighty. I have all power everything that that anything that says it has power i'm i'm almighty god so my strength and my ability supersedes everyone and we need to think of god that way uh, too often we we put him on a on a platform that's equal to ours and we know we're limited we're, we're very limited you know and our, our parents are limited they did their best please give mom dad credit for what they did understand there were some things they could not do because they are also tainted as well just like there are things you have not done because you were tainted and so there has been a hand-me-down from adam all the way to this day and time where we are limited we have inabilities there are things that we have and within our dna that has to be overcome and it does and so because it exists doesn't mean that it cannot be overcome. The Bible tells us overcome evil with good. And so we are able to do that. He told him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant. I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face. And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Now, let's take a quick look at Abraham and Sarah. You know, what we know of them, there are some things we don't know because the scripture doesn't tell us everything, but it does tell us what we need to know. It tells us what we need to know. And one of the things that stood out to me early on was the, the end of the 11th chapter of Genesis, where it says that and his wife, Sarah, was without child. She was barren, which means that now there is going to be more insight regarding that. That, that stood out to me because there are some things that we're barren on. You know, there are some things that we may not have and we desire to have, but we don't have it yet. In the meantime, between us obtaining that and where we are right now, what actions are we taking? What are we doing? And so we're going to look at Abram and Sarah and how their actions impacted them and others. Now, Abram leaves his country. He's 75 years old and, and Sarah is 65. So 10 year difference there. Not bad. Those of you that's on the dating scene, you know, you can take a lesson here. Uh, you, you may not want to get someone that's so young 
um, because you're going to have to teach them some things. They don't have life experience. And so there are some joys that they will not be able to share with you, you know, your trophy, uh, so to speak. They were um, of similar age and women progress faster than men. Uh, nothing to be offended by, but it's just a normal uh, process that women uh, mature differently than guys. Guys usually don't hit a level of maturity until uh, until they're about 35. They, they might accomplish some things, might might accomplish some successful missions early on, you know, make money and that kind of stuff. And, you know, which is all good. That's all great. But there's a certain level of maturity that that you don't find among many young men until they start 35, 36, they begin to mature. Those that are not mature yet in the 40s and stuff, that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, I'm not going to go too far into that, but listen. He left the country with his nephew in tow, and God told him to get out from among his people, but he took his nephew with him. He allowed him to accompany him. Now, God says, I will make thee a great nation. He's telling Abram, I'm going to do something with you. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great. And you're going to be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. And in thee, all families of the earth shall be blessed. And we're experiencing that blessing now, because when we look at the lineage and, and we don't have time to go into the lineage tonight, um, we'll, I'll make a mental note of that for another time. But uh, we are blessed. We are recipients of the blessing of Abraham. And so Abraham himself was not uh, a uh, Israelite. Matt, at this point, Israel does not exist. Uh, the scripture tells us that they were all Gentiles, which, which means uh, Adam also would have been a Gentile not an Israelite, not a Jew or anything that you would think of along those lines. And so the Lord said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great and you're going to be a blessing. And so we are recipients of the blessing of Abraham. Now, when they got close to Egypt, they've left the land, they've left the land of the Chaldeans, the land of Ur, and they've, they've traveled. Now they're close to Egypt. Now, I don't know much about Egypt at this point. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail about Egypt, but it tells us that he was afraid. Uh, that he And so he devised a plan to secure his safety. And that plan was, was Sarah, uh, when you're approached, um, you're 65 years old. And they didn't talk about age, but apparently her age didn't matter because she looked very healthy. She was very attractive. And he recognized that and said, tell the people, tell the Egyptians, tell them that you're my sister so that when they see you, they don't take you uh, to Pharaoh and in the process kill me. You know, I want my life to be spared. So say you're my sister so that they treat you well. Now, fear made him react. Fear. Now, he's not thinking about God says, I'm going to bless thee and I'm going to curse him that cursed thee and all the family. He's not thinking about that. If he is, it's surely not displayed here. What have God told you? 
There are things that may that in our lifetimes that we may have heard that was spoken to our life, spoken into our lives. And we at the moment of what we were dealing with, we really forgot about it. We left it alone and we handled things differently. So we can't look at Abram and point the finger at him. You know, there's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks. Uh, right now in on the west coast of California, uh, the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors are playing. And so there's a lot of people. Well, they played last night, but there's people that, you know, are sitting back and haven't been on a basketball court and never played at a high level. But yet they have their um, opinion as far as what should have occurred for the Warriors to win the game instead of losing by a few points or how the Lakers could have ran away with it. You know, everybody have their, but you're not out there and you're not on that field. And when you do get out there, what will you actually do? When they got close to Egypt, they devised a plan. Fear, fear will make you do things that you say you would not do. Fear, situations that, you know, that arise you don't know how you're going to respond. I wouldn't do that if I was there. You don't know that because you're not them. You haven't been in that situation. So it's better to zip it. And when you get there, you're going to have to go and ask someone that's been there before how to actually handle it. And they can tell you what they did or what they did not do or what they wish they would have done in place of what they did do. His insecurity caused the pharaohs entire household to become plagued. Yes, Lord was not happy. And he dealt with Pharaoh's house in such a way because he said, I'm going to bless you. Now, the Lord was not taking back what he was saying to Abram. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you for a particular purpose. And so he preserved Abram and he preserved Sarah by um, causing a plague to come upon the house of Pharaoh. The Bible said, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with a great plague because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this? Man, what's going on? What was happening here uh, that thou hast done unto me? What 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 is it? You What did you do? Why didst thou not tell me that she was your wife. He had a right to ask that question. He had a right to know his life was in danger. Not only him, but everybody that was around him was plagued. Then Abram, the Bible said, then Abram and his nephew Lot, uh, you know, uh, they begin to argue. Now, I've jumped ahead because we're talking about some things that went on with them. Now, Pharaoh, eventually, he he gave, he blessed Abram. And because he blessed Abram, uh, God blessed um, blessed the land of Egypt. The, the scripture didn't say that, but it did say it. Because it said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse thee. And, and so because Abram blessed, um, because Pharaoh blessed Abram, uh, gave him servants and money and cattle and all this stuff. And, and he also kicked him out of their country. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, 
they would have been recipients of that blessing as well. Now, then we find that Abram and his nephew, uh, Lot, his peeps began to argue over the space so that because they had grew. And so they had wealth, they had cattle, they had servants and all this. And so uh, they separated and Lot is eventually taken captive in the middle of a war. He's found in a situation and um, and Abram had to rescue him. Now, Abram uh, took his trained soldiers and rescued Lot and his family. And so my question is, why Lot didn't train his men? What was going on with him that he wasn't spending time training his men and helping them to be able to protect his family? Um, it doesn't say. But we can take a lesson here. He was unprepared when situations arise. How prepared are you for situations right now, gentlemen? He had some of the house. It could be a, it, it, maybe there's not a man in the home. There's a female. But how prepared are you? You may not be able to do everything, ladies, but you should have a point of contact that if you need some assistance from a male, you, you know, a brother, not someone that's lusting after you, but a brother that can jump in and, and is willing to come to rescue if you have need of them and not asking anything in return. Not asking anything in return. Let me emphasize that again. Gentlemen, do not ask for nothing in return. Be a helping hand to your sisters. So Abram took his trained soldiers and rescued Lot, his family and the substance that he had. Now, during all this time, God is assuring Abram, I, I got you. Look out at the stars, look out at the sand, look at, walk across the land, you know, walk the borders. I got you. I'm going to make you great. Uh, everyone's going to know your name and, and be blessed because of you. God and Abram commune and Abram uh, brings his concerns to God over and over again. And Abram said, Lord, what will thou give me saying I go childless? That was a concern. I, I don't have a child. I, I want a child. And, and you know this. And so he kept bringing this up. Now, Abram is instructed to offer a sacrifice, a heifer, a goat, a ram, each of three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And, and so Abram had now he made the sacrifice. He did. He followed the instructions that God gave him. And, and so we need to also do the same thing. We need to follow the instructions that God gives us. And follow them. Followed him to the T. And so when he did follow the instructions, uh, the Bible said that he had to drive predators away. Now, there may not, you know, it's something interesting because I saw something today that I had not seen. Now, I've seen eagles before. I've seen, uh, I was in Alaska on, on a vacation some about six years ago. And I saw eagles and I saw how large they are. Uh, the the wingspan of the eagle was well over six feet. It was huge. And uh, this lady was holding a wounded eagle and it was it, that eagle was as large as her body mask. But today, as I was leaving for my appointment this morning, I saw a, uh, a eagle, a very distinguished whitehead. Um, flying uh, here in the, the area in the city of Corona in Riverside. 
And it was amazing because I had not seen that, you know, before, never, ever besides on television. And so Abram, when he made this sacrifice, he had to shoo the predators away. The birds was trying to come and eat his sacrifice. Now, when we make sacrifices unto the Lord, there may not be birds that are flying around trying to eat up the sacrifice. But what thoughts fly through your head? Lord, is the Lord going to do this for me? Oh, well, you know, I've sinned. I've got out the will of God. He's not going to hear me, even though I've made this. What thoughts cross your mind? The Bible said that Abram had to drive the predators away. In our praise, in our worship, in what we do for the Lord and our working for him, we need to drive those predators away, too, that come to eat up the sacrifice. I don't don't forget that. There are things that come after you have praised the Lord, after you have worshiped, after you have made a sacrifice emotionally, physically, mentally, you've loved the Lord with your whole heart, you know, and, and and when I say offerings, I'm not talking about people sacrificing a rent card note or anything. I'm just talking about something that you've laid aside for the Lord. You have to drive that enemy away that will try to make you feel that God it's not going to uh, handle things for you. You got to drive that away. Now, as we continue on talking about what they've dealt with, they took matters into their own hands. Dun, dun, dun. Do not take matters into your own hands. Now, the Bible said, now, Sarah, Abram and Hagar, you know, it talks about them and what transpired in that 16th chapter verses one through four that there was a triangle there was a triangle now this was not a love triangle but it was a triangle now sarah is in her feelings and she's acting out she says look the, the lord has uh, has not given us a child you know here she is now um 10 years older and nothing has happened We've been doing it in the park, doing it after dark. Oh, yeah. And nothing is occurring. And so she tell them to take you, take you, take my handmaid, a slave girl. And we're going to use her as a surrogate. Now, Abram, remember, he's he's feeling a certain way, too, because he keeps asking God for um, for a child and it hasn't occurred. And so he's willingly moves in the direction that Sarah is encouraging him to do. Now, you need to step back and look at this. How did it work out for them? What was the result of that? When we take matters into our own hands, how do it usually work out? You've taken some things and did it your way. You know how it worked out. I, I've taken some things and did it my way, and I know how it worked out. If we feel a certain way about it now. We can look back. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes we chuckle to keep from crying because we know that when we took matters into our own hand, it didn't work out the way we hoped it would. Things did not work out very well in that situation. It was embarrassing. Uh, people was hurt. Hagar was really, you know, she was put in a situation um, that was just terrible. Now we can all look and say, well, you know, he shouldn't and listen. In that damn time, that culture, you have to go back there. And gentlemen, if it was you, ladies, if it was you, you don't, you're not there. So, but let's say you were there. 
would you have acted the same way as Sarah was? You can't say that you wouldn't because the mindset that you would have had at that time would have been different. It wouldn't have been the mindset that you have here in 2023. Their shenanigans were selfish, hurtful, and needless, uh, the community uh, that experienced it, all the loved ones and the family and workers and everybody saw what, uh, what occurred. And God intervenes. The seed of Abram is with Hagar. Uh, it, be, it was permissive. It was legal, but it was not divine. See, there's a difference. There's a difference in divine, the divine will of God and the permissive will. And some, so many times we get caught up in the permissive will. It happened, you know, hey, I got away with this. You know, it was okay. It wasn't illegal. It was, there's no such thing as a gray area. It's either right or wrong. And if it's permissive, it's not. But the divine will of God is what makes a difference. It was not his divine will that was exercised in this instance. And so, um, um, and, and so there was, here we are 13 years later after Hagar and Abram were 13 years later, he was about 86 at that time. We don't read about God speaking to Abram uh, from that moment until now, until now. 13 years, nothing is said and God is not, we don't read about God visiting Abram or anything. Some things that we do, we deal with the consequences of it and it's over a period of time. Now, before I go any further, because we're gonna go into the 17th chapter here of Genesis, that's where we are, 17th chapter, first verse. I asked a question about 20 minutes ago, who was Jesus' father? And if you have the answer to that, please post it, uh, comment it in who Jesus' father was and give me the scripture. The Bible tells us in Genesis, the 17th chapter, it said, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And so when Hagar conceived, Abram was about six, 86 at that time, he's now 99. We don't hear about the Lord speaking to Abram until now. And he tells him what? Walk before me. In other words, stay in my presence. You ventured out of my presence. You need to get back to where you were. When we read the scriptures, we see that Abram was communing with God. He offered up offerings unto the Lord. He made um, altars unto the Lord. And so something transpired along the way and the Lord is speaking to him, uh, walk before me. And he tells them to be perfect. So when we walk before the Lord, we stay in his presence. We stay in his divine will. To be in the presence of God is to be in his divine will. To be perfect means not to stray. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 4, 26, 27 it says let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established turn not to the right hand nor to the left remove thy foot from evil 
That is how we walk before the Lord and be perfect. Things that we would do, we stop, we catch ourselves. Now nah, you're not better not do that. It's one thing to think about doing something wrong. And I didn't say ponder on it. I didn't say dwell on it. I said the thought crossed your mind and you, you shoot it away like, like telling a bird to get out your hair. You don't dwell on it. That's how we walk before the Lord and be perfect. You know, it's not good. You don't do it. The second verse said, and I will, I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Now, remember, a covenant is an agreement. It's a contract. It's a promise. And we've made, we're all familiar with agreements. We're familiar with contracts. We're familiar with promises. Uh, we go to work. It's a contract to agreement. We tell someone that we how much we adore them and we give them a ring. That is a promise. I promise to love you for better, for worse, uh, for health, poor health, good health. Um, whether we are financially good, now, meaning that at one time we are financially good, <laughs> you know, or things have taken a, a turn. And when things go south, I'm not going to run off and leave you. We're going to work it out and we're going to work together. And we're going to come, we're going to come up together. A contract, agreement. We know about that. Paying our bills on time. The Bible said the wicked borrow and don't pay back. And so we're not wicked because we don't borrow and then do not pay back. Now, one of the things about paying when you find yourself in a situation where you borrowed something, and you're unable to pay, maybe loss of employment, maybe health, maybe whatever the situation is that occurs that has now strapped you financially, uh, as you start to come up, um, the Bible talks about settlements where one of the servants, uh, he settled the debt with the debtors and, and, the, and he was considered a wise servant. And so you may not have it all to pay back, don't try to pay everyone. You you work on work on a settlement plan that I will pay you a certain amount. Now, if the bill is five hundred dollars, and they can't force you to give what you don't have, let's settle this for half that amount, and I'll make you five payments of fifty dollars, and they will work with you. You have the upper hand in that situation, so remember that. All right, we're not gonna stay there. You can hold God to his promises. And we like doing that. Lord, and you said, and we like quoting the scriptures and telling them. But we've been teaching, and, and we're still in this vein here at, at Cornerstone on, on Sundays. We've been in the book of Deuteronomy. We've been talking about God's favor. We've been talking about uh, obeying what God has to say because uh, you don't need a prophet to come and tell you, uh, you know, speak something into your life. God has already spoken it. And so let's look at Deuteronomy. As when we talk about holding God to his promise, Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 2, it says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently. I'm put, I'm hitting the pause button there. Who was Jesus' father? Somebody give me the scripture of who Jesus' father was. All right. Uh, Deacon, I, I know I asked you to hold off. I, I see ministers on here and stuff. Who was Jesus' father? Give me the scripture. All right, taking that off pause now, let's go on. To observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, 
Now, the first thing, hearken diligently. We need to take this seriously and we need to listen to what God is saying and, and do what he is saying. He said, observe and to do all his commandments. Now, some people, people can quote it, but they're not doing it. That's not good enough. He said, uh, do it, which I commanded this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high. The Lord is going to elevate you above all nations and earth. And all these blessings shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now, God's favor will overtake you if you are doing uh, his will. Yes, it will. Now, it doesn't matter what your situation is. Uh, Daniel was in, I almost said incarcerated. Uh, he was a prisoner. Daniel was in the land uh, of Babylon because of captivity. And God gave him favor, even in that. So you can obtain, and he told you, he told the children of Israel, he said, don't, I'm bringing uh, this nation, the Babylonian nation is going to take you captive because of the, the hardness of you guys' heart, the people that have disobeyed and did not listen to anything that's been said. And so you're going into captivity. Don't fight it. Go with it. Matter of fact, while you're there, build houses, get married, live your lives because you're going to be in this for a minute. But those that tried to fight it and resist it, they suffered the consequences. Those that did not had some favor, and Daniel was one of them. He said, if thou hearken, deal, hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And so here's the key. This is key, that you have to listen to what God is saying. So that means you got to have an ear to hear what he is saying and to obey what he is saying and apply it. So it's about application. It's not about just hearing it, um, quoting it, it's application. And that goes along with everything that we do in life. You go to college, you go to school, elementary school, you go to, uh, you know, whatever your vocation is, you're applying it, you're learning what to do and you apply it. That, that's doing your job. And that's getting your studies done. What's well, the same with the Lord? As his people, we do what God is asking of us to be so that we're sanctified. And, and the Lord calls it the sanctification. Be ye holy, for I'm holy. Sanctification, set apart, set aside. Third verse, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. Now, Abram's response to God's presence wasn't a dance around the wilderness. You know, people, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, and they dance around the church and all that. And that's fine sometimes. But that wasn't Abram's response. He didn't dance around the wilderness and, you know, he wasn't speaking in an unknown tongue, loud in everybody, drowning out the animals and, and stuff like that. Uh, no, he, he didn't do that. The Bible said, but he was humble. Are you being humbled this evening? Are, are you humbled by his presence? You recognize God is with you. Are you humbled by that? The word humbles mean that you take a modest position, one of the low importance I'm, I'm a pastor and I've overseen many churches um, in the time that I've been involved in ministry. I've sat on an executive board overseeing them for years. It's not a look at me who I am. It is a very humbling thing. It's very humbling to be in a position of overseeing God's people. It's very humbling to be in a position for God's presence to be known, it, whether you're 
among people or maybe you're at home by yourself. You might be in the bathroom taking a bath. You might be sitting on the toilet. Woo, did you say that? Yes, because God is not ashamed. He built the bodies. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Are you humble by the presence of the Lord wherever you are, whatever you're doing? Are you humble knowing that he's considered you his people, his person, his son, his daughter of Zion, his son of thunder, you know, his son? Are you humbled by that? The word humble, again, a modest position, one of low importance. It doesn't matter about your office, rank, status in society. That only has value to men compared to men, not compared to God. Our office and stuff, he gave us the office for administration. That, that's what it's for. It's for work of the ministry till we all come into the, the, the statue of the man Christ Jesus. And that, that's who we to be compared to, not to anyone else. Oh, I want to be like so-and-so. No, I want to be like what God has called me to be. I may admire what you're doing, how you, you know, and, but my adoration belongs unto the Lord and so does yours. None of us can hold our head up. None of us can pound our chest and declare anything. Oh, look at me. You know, I, I'm a very casual dresser. If you followed us on Instagram, you'll see that. I don't wear my robes often. I like being casual, you know, and, and I like let's all be casual and come to church and just and magnify the Lord. We, we don't have to dress up and put on our best, you know, unless it's required for that particular ceremony. The Bible tells us that two men went to the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee and the other was a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. They're extortioners. They're not righteous. They're adulterers. But this publican, look at this publican, this man standing next to me. I, I fast twice a week. I give tithes and all that I possess, I do everything the right way. The Bible said in the publican standing afar off, he was humble. He was standing afar off. He wasn't right there um, in the presence of everybody. The Bible said he wouldn't even lift up his head. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes unto heaven, but he smote his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. I'm not anything. The Bible said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The man that said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I know I'm not where I should be. I have nothing to brag about. It doesn't matter how long we've been in church, no matter what, where we fellowship at, what do you have to brag about? Pastors, evangelists, bishops, whatever title you hold, what do you really have to brag about? 
some were you. Well, I'm not even going to name anything, but you know where you were when God found you. What is it you have to brag about? But what is it you have to hold your head up about? We're all sinners saved by grace, no matter what position we hold, secular society or within the church. We're all saved by the grace of God if we have accepted that grace, if his goodness have led us to repentance and we followed his goodness. What do we have to brag about? The, the Bible tells us is, is God that has made us, not we ourselves. What do we have to brag about? Why aren't we humble? When was the last time the audience, the attendees of the service saw you humbled? Where you couldn't do anything but worship the Lord, which led everyone else to worship the Lord. Hmm. Praise leaders standing, telling everybody else to come on, give God a praise, come on and dance. and. But yet they're not under the influence of the Holy Ghost. They're looking for a show. They're looking to inspire so that, that people can walk away and say that, oh, they really performed and they really know. When was the last time you was humbled? The Bible said the anointing destroy yoke and people can feel the anointing. They know when you have gone in and God is using you. That's what I want to see. And that's what I want to experience is God using us for his service not us using him as a service. The Bible said he was humble. This man went to his house justified rather than the other for everyone that exalted himself shall be abased and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. The fourth verse says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. My covenant is with you, and you're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you, Abram. The Lord didn't condone what he did. And we don't read about a condemnation. At least I haven't seen it there. But there was a gap. There was a space that he had to endure. Well, the Lord did not say anything that we read about to him during a certain time span because of, well, at least I believe because of his actions. Because of his actions. So let's be careful what we do and not take matters into our own hands. But let's follow what God is saying. Let's do his will. And let's start that by being humble. Now, I, I did ask a question earlier as far as who Jesus' father was. When Mary was told that she would be pregnant with child and, you know, that she would be pregnant with child and she was trying to figure out, well, how is this going to happen? I'm, I'm a, I've never been with a man. I'm engaged. And we have not been um, permissive. You know, we haven't did anything. And, and so 
the Bible tells us in Luke, the first chapter and the 35th verse, the question was, who is Jesus' father? It says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the answer to that is in Luke 1 and 35. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord God, for this exhortation of your word. We pray and ask that you would bless us to live according to your will. Lord, I pray for each one that have taken the time to tune in this evening and to set patiently and to hear your servant talk about your word. Lord God, they've taken time out of their schedules, their work, their uh, job, their rest. Lord Jesus, and I pray and ask that you would bless them. You know the need of each individual. Lord God, you know what their desire is. Lord God, you know the areas that they need help in. You know the unspoken request. And pray and ask that you would bless them. Lord God, that you would meet their needs. Lord God, give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding how to live each day unto you. Lord God, we thank you and, and we pray that you would bless us to walk humbly before you and to be found perfect in your will. Lord, you have perfected us in areas that we don't even know about, that we don't consider, and we thank you. Lord God, and then there are those areas that we need to understand and know if it's offensive to you and what to do so that we can be unoffensive. Lord, we ask these blessings in the name of Jesus. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior, the sweet communion of the Holy Ghost, rest, rule, and abide henceforth now and forevermore. God bless you. Please tell somebody else about Inside the Pages. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Amazon, whether it's on cable network or, you know, or, or follow us on Instagram, uh, inside the, inside dot the, pa the dot pages. <laughs> God bless you. Continue to pray for us as we are praying for you. In Jesus' name, amen.